All right, Emmaus. Good evening, everyone. <clears throat> thanks, for, uh, thanks for being here for Wednesday night worship. Glad you could come. I tell you, most of the time in my mind, I don't think anyone reads the emails that I send out. But you send out an email and it has the word secret in there and all of a sudden people show up. So uh, it's going to be my strategy every time. Just say, hey, we have a secret for you and then uh, we'll see who, uh, see who comes. But uh, now we are glad that you're, you're here. There's a, a note sheet on the back table if you didn't get a chance to grab one of those coming in and we'll have a chance to do some, some Bible study together, and then probably around a few minutes before seven, uh, we'll transition and we're going to have a chance to hear from, from some folks who have come to share with us about an opportunity that our church has to, to partner with something going on in Oklahoma City, and we'll have a presentation about that, and you'll have a chance to ask any questions, and then we'll, at the end of the time talk through our our response to that so we want to have a chance though uh up front to be able to do some bible study together wednesday nights during the spring we are working through the beatitudes the opening uh statements in the sermon on the mount in matthew chapter 5 so if you want to open to matthew chapter 5 The note sheet that you received when you came in also has some verses, some verses on the back that we'll try to refer to as, uh, refer to as well. Let's see if there's any available. Here, you can take this one. Pass that one down. Once again, I printed off my normal Wednesday night number of note sheets here, so uh, that's, that's, on, that's on me right there. But uh, uh, Before we start, we do want to be able to pray together. Uh, I know many of you uh, have been praying for Paul and Margie Lewis. Margie fell and broke her other hip on Sunday just after she had had the previous hip, uh, and so, so they were so... so uh, Frustrated, but she had successful surgery yesterday and seemed to be in good spirits and, and recovery. So just continue to pray for Paul and Margie. Uh, they just passed their 62nd wedding anniversary, uh, as many of you know, and Paul caring for her. And so just, I know they, they appreciate your, your encouragement and, and prayers. So checking in on them. And then Beth is recovering well, it seems like, from her from her second knee surgery that she had, and Dale still doing well. She's at Jim Thorpe, is that right? Rollover, yeah, that's great. Thanks for that. So, um, any anything else? Any updates? Maybe things we've been praying for that we need to need to mention. Yes. Rich, his procedure that he had in Denver seemed to go really well, so they're just getting prepared to, to come back next week. Rich went up to Denver to take care of one of the grandkids, and as soon as he got up there, he had a complication related to some medicine and some problems with his, 
uh, stomach, and so they had to go in and do a fairly emergency surgery. Uh, so Rich and Phyllis are still up in, in Denver, and they'll be coming back next week, but uh, he seems to be, they have to figure out some things with medication and his heart and, and things related to that, so. Oh yeah, uh, Christy Weir, Roger Kilgore's daughter, Roger and Glennis's daughter, she had an allergic reaction and it turned into a septic situation and so pretty dangerous thing. I, I think she's still in the hospital at Baptist, last, last I knew, but Christy's husband David is one of the ones that works up in the audiovisual booth and you know Roger obviously runs what, what happens up there. So Christy has a lot of allergy problems, and she had an allergic reaction that turned really severe. Um, so continue to pray for Roger and Christy and David and their family as well. Roger does so much with our audiovisual lighting area, and um, he's a great guy, great family. All right, let me pray for us. Um, we want to humble ourselves before the Lord and then, and then do some Bible study. Father, thank you for what it means to gather on a Wednesday night together like this, Uh, the gift of just being able to eat together, uh, sit with one another, encouraging words, and and a reminder during the middle of what is often a busy and and difficult week, a reminder of your goodness and the hope that we have in Christ. God, we pray for those that were mentioned tonight, knowing that you're at work in those families and, and they're seeking to trust you through what they're facing. God, thank you uh, that they can know that they're not alone, that we love them and are praying for them. Uh, God, thank you for your presence through your spirit and through your people. Uh, Father, I pray for our church tonight, God, as we uh, consider this opportunity that we have for, for a partnership in our city and, and what our role would be in that, God, that we would trust you in that process. Um, God, I thank you for Emmaus and the desire to to share the gospel with our community, to care for our neighbors, uh, to see people come to have hope and peace through Jesus. So God, help us to, to live that out well together. Thank you for the gift of your word as we consider that tonight and, and study together. God, that this time would be honoring to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, as we continue our, um, our march through the Beatitudes, let's start in Matthew chapter 5, and let's read these together, starting in verse 3. So I'm going to read out the English standard. It may sound different depending on your translation, but this is Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. Um, So tonight we're looking at the second of those in verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Let me ask you to think to yourself, 
when was the last time I cried? All right? Some of you, it was probably today. Uh, some of you, it might have been years ago, the last time you, you remember crying. When was the last time that, that I cried? I don't know, maybe it's just having young kids, but watching some little kid movies now, I find myself getting emotional. I'm like, where did that come from? Uh, we went to watch the little Christopher Robin movie, the remake of Pooh. Oh, man, I cried shamelessly in that, in that movie. Oh, my goodness. I was just bawling uh, in, in the theater. So, like, other things don't affect me at all. But <laughs> watch the Christopher Robin movie and just, just totally lost it. Uh, I remember crying like a baby after my last high school baseball game. The idea that high school sports, competitive sports were over and just crying because, because that was over. What does it look like to say, blessed are those who mourn? for they will be comforted. What does that look like? Well, mourning in that situation can have to do with the idea of bereavement. Something difficult has happened in life, and so we mourn. It has to do with that. But remember the way the Sermon on the Mount works and these Beatitudes work. There's kind of a progressive nature to them. So the first one in verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit means a recognition that I have nothing to bring to the table of my own accord, that, that I am poor before the Lord. I need the Lord to work in my life because I don't have anything to offer. When you're in that position, the people that would have understood that would have been mourning because they would have realized, I can never get myself out of this situation. When you hear, blessed are those who mourn, we can almost hear, blessed are those who are overwhelmed. Blessed are those who realize they have nothing to offer. Blessed are those who feel completely broken. Um, when you're in that situation, you mourn, and the hope here is blessed are those who are in that situation, blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted. One of the things we want you to do as you read scripture, and especially these type of statements here, is to ask yourself, what is the opposite of that? One of the great Bible study tools you can do is you read something to say, okay, to understand this, part of understanding is understanding what it's not. So what, what is the opposite of that? On your note sheet, I just put a couple of options. What's the opposite of mourning? Being in a state of not needing anything from anyone. I'm not going to mourn if I feel like I have it all together. Or I'm not going to mourn if I feel like I don't need anything. I've, I've got it all together. I just, I just laugh and go through the day. I don't need anything, so I'm not mourning. The opposite of mourning, never exposing hurt need or vulnerability. I might be falling apart on the inside, but I'm not going to let anybody else see it. <laughs> so I, I'm not going to mourn because I don't want anybody else to think that I have a problem. Or I'm not going to mourn because I don't want anyone else to know what I'm struggling with. When you mourn, it's this idea of you're exposing your vulnerability. Uh, this is that, I know it's not around as much anymore, but this is that idea that, that grown men don't cry, that real men don't cry. Now we realize that Thankfully, that idea is breaking down a lot. But if I really have my life together, if I'm a real man, if I'm a really strong person, I'm not going to mourn. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who realize what it means to be broken. Blessed are those who realize what it means to need the Lord. Another opposite here on your notes is when we mourn petty things, but we are apathetic or hard toward things that really matter. Um, this is that moment when you realize I cry, I'm sad about things that don't matter, and my heart is hard toward things that really do matter. 
Uh, there's a, some difficult verses about this. If you turn your uh, sheet over just a minute and look at Ecclesiastes chapter 7, it's going to be that second section. Um, it, verses in Ecclesiastes about when you realize the weight of life, the seriousness of life, it can bring a sense of mourning. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 2, it is better to go to the house of mourning than go to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. When someone doesn't realize the weight of life, when, weight, or, or when nothing is serious, and we're pretty close in some ways to living in a culture in a world like this where nothing matters, nothing is weighty, nothing is serious. When you live like that, you just laugh at everything because nothing really matters. When you realize, no, some things really do matter, it brings a sense of gravitas, it brings a sense of weight to, to situations, and you find yourself mourning over, over situations because it really did matter. We cry about things because it mattered. There was a weight to it. Uh, mourning sometimes comes because of the seeming slowness of God's justice. We mourn saying, Lord, where are you? You think about those cries in Scripture, how long, O Lord? How long will your people suffer? How long will I go through this? We mourn saying, God, where are you? What does it look like for, for you to come and bring hope into this situation? And so part of mourning, when you think about blessed are those who mourn, think about the book of Psalms. There's a good, di a good deal of mourning in, in the book of Psalms, but that whole book begins, blessed is the man. Blessed is the man who, who cries out to the Lord, who mourns because of their need for the, for the Lord. Uh, the next point there, um, under blessed are those who mourn, mourning is what we would call a between-the-times reality. And this is where things start to, to come, into, come into place a little bit. If you turn your sheet back over and you look down just a little bit toward Matthew chapter 9, verse 15, Matthew chapter 9, verse 15, Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away, in other words, when Jesus returns to the Father after the resurrection, and then they will fast. Then will come a time for mourning. So in Christianity, at the time that we live as part of the church, we live in what we call between the times, meaning after the resurrection of Jesus, but before his return to make all things right. So we live in light of the resurrection, in light of this victory. We have this hope because of the resurrection, but we still live in a world of death. We still live in a world of pain. We still live in a world of brokenness, and so we look forward to the return of Christ. So we mourn, but not as those who have no hope. 1 Thessalonians 4. Mourning is real. We mourn because we live in a world of pain and death and brokenness. You look at your own life, you look at the people around you, you, you see this reality, but we have hope, which is why the second phrase here says, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, not because we have to pretend we're happy, we're broken, but we know comfort comes. Will comfort come now in this life, or will the comfort come later in the life to come? Yes, yes, that's right. The answer is yes to both. Uh, 
already we live in the light of the hope of Jesus' victory through the cross and the resurrection. So we have comfort that goes beyond anything we could ever uh, imagine. Your reference on this, and we don't have time to look at it, but your connection piece is 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Blessed be the God of all comfort, who comforts us with the hope that we have through Christ. So in Christ we have comfort, but we don't have all the comfort right now. We still live in a world of mourning, and so for they will be comforted means there's still more comfort to come. Uh, the, the Revelation 21 and 22, the comfort when all tears will be wiped away, all death will be done away with, that's the comfort we, we look ahead to. Now, there's a general pattern in Scripture of suffering than glory. We see this in the life of Jesus in that famous passage in Philippians 2 about how he is humbled and then raised to a place of honor and glory. The book of Hebrews has this idea written all over it, how there's suffering and then glory to come uh, expressed through, through the life of Jesus. You see it in Isaiah chapter 61, which... To understand the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, you just look at Isaiah chapter 61 and see the promises that, that are laid out there. And I put those verses on the back of your sheet so you could see them when you, went, um, when, you, when you went home. Psalm 126 is a beautiful picture of this. If you look on the back, um, right in the middle, let's read Psalm 126 because it's such a good picture of this. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Do you hear Matthew 5, 4 in, in that verse? He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy bringing his sheaves with him. Are the people of God those who mourn and are broken? Yes, because only in that situation can you receive salvation. And when you receive salvation, what comes with that? Hope and peace and comfort that goes beyond anything we could ever manufacture on our own. Why does this matter today in a particular way? Well, today is Ash Wednesday. Um, yesterday was Fat Tuesday, so all the good memories, I, I know all the dangers that come with uh, Fat Tuesday and Mardi Gras, but seeing pictures from our friends in New Orleans and remembering being there, today is Ash Wednesday. Uh, if you grew up in a Catholic background or even some strands of Protestant background, you went and got the ash placed uh, on, on your forehead. Ash Wednesday begins the season of Lent, which is a 46-day period leading up to Easter. Uh, Lent is traditionally a time of mourning. It, it's a time of somber reflection, of repentance before the Lord leading up to the cross. I realize you can search your Bible and you're not going to find Lent, and so we're not compelled in, in that way. But Lent is like Advent. Advent helps us make sure Christmas doesn't sneak up on us. Lent helps us make sure Easter doesn't sneak up on us. The gift of Lent is that I'm preparing my heart for the cross I know what's coming. I know I'm in a state of, of repentance and recognition of my sin and recognition of my need for the Lord. And so it's a time of mourning, of ash, but it's also a time that looks forward to Easter because we know that hope is coming. And so when you think about Ash Wednesday, blessed are those who mourn. That equals the season of Lent that we are leading into. Now in New Orleans, when we spent our 10 years there, 
Lent meant you couldn't eat meat on Friday. <laughs> that was pretty much for most people the idea. So you would be driving along on Fridays and there would be these fish fries on the side of the road and Protestant or Catholic, it didn't matter. You could just pull over and buy, buy fish because this is why when you go to your local restaurant right now, you're going to see all the fish options showing up on the menu again because on Fridays during Lent, uh, a lot of people from certain backgrounds don't eat, don't eat meat. But it's more than that. Lent, when you think of Lent, think blessed are those who mourn. When you think of Easter, think for they will be comforted. We have a faith that leads to the cross, but it doesn't end at the cross. It goes beyond that to the hope of the resurrection. And so today on Ash Wednesday, I know we don't practice the uh, imposition of the ashes on the forehead. Just to be honest, I'm not completely opposed to that. I think there's a place for that. We just don't practice that as part of our church. But what is important is you realize we're entering Lent. And I hope your heart and mind is set toward the cross I hope you recognize your own need from the Lord, that this is a season when our pride is broken down and our, and our eyes are put toward the cross, but know that comfort is coming. <laughs> know that we live with the hope of the resurrection. So blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Let me pray for us, and then I'm going to turn over um, the service to Jim, and he's going to introduce some folks to you uh, that are going to share something with us uh, tonight. So let's, let's spend some time in prayer, just thinking about our own hearts and our own minds. Father, thank you for the gift of the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes that uh, completely changes our idea of what it looks like to live a happy, honored, flourishing life. That in the kingdom of, of Jesus, it's not those who have it all together. It's not those who pull themselves up by their bootstraps. It's, it's those who are poor in spirit. It's those who mourn, who recognize our need for you, uh, that in that weakness you are strong. God, I pray for our, our church. I pray for my own heart that during this season of Lent leading up to Easter, God, that pride that comes in so quickly in our lives, uh, when we forget our need for you, that you would use this time to remind us of our brokenness and our need for you. God, we live in a world of so much pain. Uh, we think about our own families. We think about our neighbors. We think about our own lives. God, the brokenness and sickness and pain that people face. And so we face that often mourning. We mourn with those who mourn. We don't pretend like we live in a world with no pain, God. We mourn with those who mourn. But we mourn having hope, knowing that what we face now is not the end of the story, that those who mourn will be comforted. And God, your comfort that comes after a season of mourning is so sweet and so precious to us, God. And so we live in that now, and we look forward to that for all of eternity as you make all things new. God, I pray tonight that our church should be humble before you as we think about this opportunity we have to consider. Um, and God, that it would be uh, something we view with kingdom eyes, and that you would give us wisdom as we move ahead according to your will. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Jim. All right. Thanks, Owen. Well, church family, uh, I know that you received uh, Owen's email saying about a secret uh, uh, that we wanted to share with you. And tonight, uh, I'm privileged uh, just to share some things that uh, we've been praying about. Uh, and uh, this has been uh, kind of coming towards us in a while. And uh, uh, I want to take some time to introduce to you 
uh, two gentlemen uh, that uh, are going to be sharing with you tonight. But uh, one of the things that's uh, come in front of us is uh, the opportunity to partner with the city. In the and uh, there's a uh, the city has pa passed uh, the Maps Three project. This would be no cost to Emmaus, but uh, they would be building a senior wellness center. And uh, Pastor Bill Hulse and Bill Fleming had approached us about partnering with them. Uh, they built the first wellness center by Putnam City Baptist Church, and Putnam City Baptist Church has partnered with them. And uh, they approached us about uh, partnering on this next wellness center that's going to be built here in Ward 5 in South Oklahoma City. So at this time, I want to introduce to you uh, Bill Fleming and uh, Pastor Bill Hulse. Bill just walked in. He had a business meeting at his church tonight. Uh, so uh, he was coming down. So, Bill, you come on up, too. But uh, uh, this is uh, Bill Fleming, and uh, I'm going to let them uh, share their story and uh, share more. And then you'll have the opportunity to ask questions, and we'll continue to do that. We've got a PowerPoint that we'll start sharing some slides of uh, photos about uh, this wellness center and all that. But Bill is a member at Putnam City Baptist Church and also a part of Senior Living for uh, this program. Thank you. It's a pleasure to come out and share something that has become somewhat of a passion at Putnam City Baptist Church the last few years. About four years ago, maybe a little more than that now, uh, one of our members came to Bill Hulls and I and said, I just sat in a meeting for the MAPS 3 Senior Wellness Centers. I think this is something that our church might want to get involved in. And we took a look at it and at first thought, uh, Putnam City Baptist Church partner with the city of Oklahoma City on something? That would be a new twist, wouldn't it? But the more we looked at it, the more excited we got. And as a result of that, we put together a proposal, we submitted it to the city, and after a lot of meetings, a lot of debate, and an awful lot of opposition from people who didn't think Putnam City Baptist Church should be involved in anything that the city owned, we were selected to operate the first MAP Senior Wellness Center up on North Rockwell. I will tell you that it has far exceeded anything we thought would happen. We thought that if we could get 2,000 members in the first two years, we would be off to a great start. We have about 5,500 members in less than two years. We offer between 55 and 60 different programs to uh, the community, everything from basket weaving and crocheting, uh, book clubs. We have all types of physical fitness programs, water aerobics. What we do is if some of the members have an interest and they're interested in doing something, we put a sign-up sheet up. If enough people sign up for it, we try to make that happen. But I will tell you, as successful as the MAPS Wellness Center has been for the community and the community uh, membership that, that embrace it like they have, it has been a great, great win for Putnam City Baptist Church. Just stop and think about it for a minute. Where could you go and find 5,500 people across the street from you? And a great number of them are unchurched. It is a secular facility. We can't go over and hand out tracts, and we can't go over and proselyte members for Putnam City Baptist Church. But our membership can go over and be members. They can go over and volunteer as volunteers, and they can go over and connect with people. And as they connect with those people, they have the opportunity to impact lives in a way that perhaps we never had before. And because of the ability to do that, it gives us one of the greatest outreach opportunities I think our church could ever have. 
And now a senior wellness center, senior wellness center number four, is going to come to South Oklahoma City. After all the opposition and everything that took place early on with people not wanting Putnam City Baptist Church to be involved in it, the city actually came to us when wellness center number four was getting ready to be put forth and said, would you guys consider being involved? That's an amazing turnaround. And because of the impact it's had on our community, because of the impact it's had on our church, because of the outreach opportunities, and because of the way that we can change lives, not just physically, emotionally, and mentally, because of the way that we can impact lives spiritually, we think that we want to be involved in Wellness Center number four also. But in order to be involved in Wellness Center number four, we have to have a church come along beside us. Because see, I don't think it works without a church. Putnam City Baptist Church being involved is what made Wellness Center number one successful in a number of different ways. And I think that for Wellness Center number four to be successful, a church needs to be involved and be engaged in South Oklahoma City also. And so what we've done tonight is hopefully bring something to you that you'll pray about, that you'll think about, that you'll talk among yourselves about, and maybe even come out and visit Wellness Center number one and see what's going on out there. It's an amazing place. It really is. I could tell you numerous stories of people whose lives have been changed. People who had become virtually recluses and wouldn't come out of their home, and someone said, come on, come up to Wellness Center number one with me. And they'd come up one time or two times. People would engage them. They would make friends there. Now those people are out of the house. They're involved in all the different programming that's going on up there, and their lives have been, been impacted in, in a really, really positive way. I can't tell you what a tremendous opportunity that's been for us. And because it's been so good for us, we think it could be good for Emmaus Baptist Church also. There just aren't very many ways that you can get in front of those kind of people. And our demographics out here are a little bit different than what they were in Wellness Center number one. But within a five-mile radius of this location here, you have about 38,000 people who would qualify for membership. And then you have, uh, you have probably people who would go quite a bit farther than that that would drive in to participate. We have done no advertising at Wellness Center number one. Putnam City Baptist Church got involved. They became members. They reached out to other people. They told them what a great place it was. And word of mouth in less than two years has taken us to about 5,500 members right now. And that's a... That's an awful lot of people in close proximity to our church. And I think the same thing could happen here at uh, Emmaus Baptist Church also. And Bill, would you like to? This is our pastor, Bill Hulls. He's the one that got me involved in this to start with. <laughs> Actually, it was his fault. He was chairman of the pastor search committee that brought me. So it's your fault, buddy, all right? That's what you needed tonight was a second pastor to preach at you, right? I won't preach at you, but I do want to encourage you. Uh, simply from what this means to my heart, shepherding our flock at Putnam City Baptist Church. We are not running it. The church does not run the Wellness Center number one. We were a strategic partner like we hope you would pray about doing. We created a separate 501c3 that's run by a board of directors, and Bill is the chairman of that board. We have members from our community. Uh, the same thing I think would happen over on this side. Another board would be put together. 
Most of that would be from if you were going to be the strategic partner, there would be members from your church that would sit on that board and perhaps some other community-minded, uh, especially Christian-minded folk that care about South Oklahoma City would, would make that up. The role of the church and what this has done for our fellowship is it has finally built a bridge back into the community. We unfortunately live in a day and age where everybody has bought in this concept of the separation of the secular and the spiritual. That we have to gather on Sunday mornings and do the spiritual and the rest of the week it's secular. And many believers today have very few, if any, lost people in their lives personally. They may know somebody at work or they may know somebody in their neighborhood, but they're not engaged with them personally. The greatest thing that this has done for our church, I believe, as a pastor, is it has re-engaged us with our community. We serve shoulder to shoulder with them. We go over and we volunteer. We've done a whole training with our people of how to do relational evangelism building a bridge into people's lives, and as they build those bridges, they begin to have spiritual conversations, and they begin to take them on a journey spiritually, not shoving Jesus down their throat, but serving them and taking them to the Jesus that's changed their life. So for us as a church, it has been revolutionary for our evangelism. It has opened up new doors in the community. Uh, we now have some great favor with people that thought a Baptist church was the most despicable place on planet Earth. And they've come to find out, you know what, we're great loving people that we're their neighbors and we're their family. And we aren't some kind of weird religious cult. We're the people of God and we get to shine that light and it is making a huge, huge difference. I go way back with Jim and I've gotten to know your pastor well and that was critical for us was to find a strategic partner that had the same DNA and the same heartbeat. They care about their community who know how to serve well. And after you did that through the tornado experience and everything, we believe God maybe used that again as a training ground for another phase, perhaps, for your fellowship. So Bill and I are here tonight. I think I did that in less than 10 minutes. Come on, you got to tell my church for me. If somebody emailed the deacons for me, uh, let them know. We'd love to maybe take questions and answers if they want, or maybe you and Owen want to come up, guys. Whatever you want to do, we just wanted to kind of plant uh, a prayer request with your church we have to meet with the city here fairly quickly and make our proposal. So we have to kind of finalize who our strategic partner is going to be over on the south side here. And we wanted to start with your church. So, Brother Jim. We wanted to come before you to uh, let you know about this because basically uh, there's a possibility of our name being in the news. Uh, and just to let you know, this obviously is not going to be built on our property. Uh, they have acquisition money that the city would use to purchase land. We've talked to landowners across the street. We would love to see it uh, built across the street from Emmaus here on 10 acres. Uh, and uh, that's, that's going to be our prayer, is that in close proximity to Emmaus so that we can connect with the community to uh, the opportunity to share the gospel. And uh, so anyways, uh, uh, want to open it up for any questions that you guys might have about, I know this is being thrown at you really quick, uh, but uh, this is something I, I ran into Bill several years ago when they were going through the battle of meeting with the city and uh, the city was on them about being a church and being involved in this. And we had just come out of uh, doing the uh, Briarwood tornado and uh, uh, hosting Briarwood. And so it was a neat uh, uh, opportunity just to, to visit. So uh, we've been praying about this for a long time uh, and what our partnership could be. So any questions? Yes.
question was how effective is this has been actually bringing someone to faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, we are really in the infancy of this, quite frankly. And uh, a couple things that are happening. One, we are able to use that building now on off hours. We rent it on Sunday mornings. Instead of us having to build a $10 million facility through a capital campaign, anybody want another one of those, right? Uh, we let the city build it, and now we rent that space. And on Sunday mornings, we have... Uh, an outreach Bible study that's taken place. We currently have at least 15 unchurched people who've joined us in that. None have come to a saving faith yet, but they're engaging, and that's only been going on since December. Uh, we have had people who've had spiritual conversations. We have people who are meeting over there. I have a man in our church who's discipling a Muslim gentleman and walking him through who Jesus is right there in the cafeteria lobby of, of the building. So we're having those spiritual conversations. We received some church members who were un, uh, unchurched, unplugged, who've come back and said, man, if this is what the church really is, that isn't the church I grew up in, uh, and that's changed some hearts that way. I don't remember yet if we have an exact salvation experience, but it's only been a year, and we have to be very careful. Like you said, we can't proselytize during the hours of operation. Uh, it is a secular place. But I'm telling you this, I have testimony after testimony after testimony of people who've said, my life, I was given up on life, I was ready to die, and I'm alive again. And they know Putnam City Baptist Church, their servant heart helped open that door, and it's built a whole different layer of relationships in our community for us. So I think that's coming on more and more in the days ahead. We are having those conversations. We are having people now coming into our church and are now under the gospel that would have never been there. So I think that's going, I think we've done the, the seed planting, we're watering the seed, and after due time and a lot of sweat, blood, and tears, I think we're going to see due harvest very, very soon. So that answers a little bit. Bill, would you add anything to that? The only thing that, that I would add to that is it is something that you do through relationships. It just, it takes time to go in, get to know those people, and build relationships because you have to do it one-on-one. -on -one. I remember at one of the city council meetings that we went to, one of the city councilmen was just really opposed to us being involved, and he, he was giving us a very, very difficult time. And I happened to be at the podium, had just finished a presentation when that took place. And I can remember telling him that Putnam City Baptist Church was called to be involved with the community, that our responsibility to, was to love people and that's what we intended to do is just go over there and love people and care about people, that we weren't going to discriminate against anyone, that we just wanted to be engaged and serve the community. And I think that may have even been the turning point when we started changing some of the minds that, uh, you know, that had been kind of arrayed against us because we really are there just to serve people. And as we build those relationships and as we get to know people, then the opportunities come up for you to be engaged with them one-on-one. -on -one. Any other questions? Yes. Well, I tell I will tell you that our church was probably ninety nine percent in favor of doing this, 98 to 99%. When we voted, it was an extremely high percentage. And I don't recall the exact number, but there were very few people who didn't want to be engaged. We had a lot of opposition. Uh, the ACLU showed up. 
to tell the city council that it was unconstitutional for us to be involved was an absolute untruth. That's not the case. There's nothing in the Constitution about separation of church and state. That's a falsehood that's just been perpetrated. And so we had a lot of that. But I think that what happened, to be real honest with you, is God just changed minds and God opened doors and God worked some miracles as we went through this process. Because there was a, there, there were a lot of things going on that uh, had to be turned around in order for us to be involved. And the attitude of our church members, the attitude of the city council, uh, by the way, the uh, one who opposed us finally ended up voting for us when they took the final vote. So we had a unanimous vote uh, from the city council also. But it was, uh, it was an experience that I think was really good for our church. I think it's going to continue to be good. And I believe that uh, the opposition is pretty much faded there. And that's evidenced by the fact that we were asked to be involved. Yes, those of you who live in the Willows will be charged double, but um, it, uh, there, is, there is a fee, and one of the things that we would be uh, promoting would be for founding members to be a part of uh, the Wellness uh, Club, and this is for 50 plus, uh, so if your spouse is 50 and you're uh, 22, you could still be a part of that, um, but uh, uh, yeah, that was for you, Kenny Noble. Um, <laughs> And uh, so anyways, uh, there is a fee that's associated. I think it's, is it $30 a month? Yeah, $30 a month. And, uh, and then they will, we will be asking for founding members that could join and actually pay an upfront cost of, I believe it's uh, $3,000. That's a three-year um, commitment. Okay, $50 for two people in the same Okay, never mind, never mind. Yeah. So, uh, yes. Yeah, it's, right, it, it is. And it, remember, this is a MAPS, a MAPS project, which we have, everybody comes from all the, the Metroplex to pay tax dollars in Oklahoma City. So uh, we have people traveling in from Piedmont. We have people, we have some people travel 30 miles, I think, in to be a part of it. So it is an Oklahoma City funded through that tax base. So it isn't required. I think they're, they do desire that there be a heavy Oklahoma City membership, obviously, but it is open to surrounding communities as well. There is a sliding scale on those fees. Uh, we help people of any economic background. So if somebody can't afford that, they're interviewed, and that's made possible. Uh, there's some neat things that happen there. So it is for the whole community, 50 and above. I heard from our uh, city councilman from Ward 5, uh, David Greenwell, and he had asked if, uh, you know, just asking if we were interested, and yes, we were interested. We want to go before the church, but uh, they desire to do this in this part of Ward 5 uh, as well. Yes. Yeah, 
Yeah, volunteers can be volunteers can be of any age group for sure. So we have people of all ages that are in that building serving and volunteering. So that's a great piece. And frankly, that community loves having some younger people there working alongside. They enjoy the energy of that. Then other things that can happen if the church so so desires, like we're doing, we're renting that space after hours. Uh, we can do that on Saturdays. We can do that obviously all day Sunday. We can do that sometimes late evenings. And, and out of that, open up that community to all age groups. You know, we're going to be using it for recreational ministry. We're going to be doing coaching clinics and things like that, family fun days on Sundays, and getting our community to come in to that safe, what they consider a safe space. And then we get to marry up with the community that way. So there's a bunch of different ways all age groups can participate. Would you add anything to that? Some of you are probably familiar with Tim Tebow's Night to Shine. Anyone know what that is? We hosted uh, all of the caregivers. We hosted them at the Wellness Center while Putnam City Baptist Church was doing the main event over there. So we've, we've used it for a lot of different things, a lot of different events. Yeah, Jim. None whatsoever. Uh, actually, Putnam City Baptist Church, as we went through this journey, we are supporting behind the scenes, but we created a separate 501c, secular 501c3 called Healthy Living and Fitness Inc. Bill's the president of that board. That board has uh, put together the business plan, and they are responsible for all the operating costs to operate that for the city. So that's already in good shape. They're already in the black, their uh, revenue as well. They would lead to create a board over here is my understanding, I think, or a subsidiary, is that how it's being? Bill may have to explain it, but long story short, no financial commitment on behalf of Emmaus. We're asking you to be a strategic partner from a volunteer standpoint. We would be asking what was real helpful. We do have to create cash flow for the staff that would run that building. And so the founding memberships he was talking about, what that is is it's a prepaid three-year membership, creates a VIP status. They have some special features and some special amenities they get at that level of membership. They prepay before the building opens, and that gave us the cash flow to hire the staff that will run that. Uh, so that isn't a commitment on your part other than we would be asking your membership to take that on as a ministry project and get in there and be members and be influencers through it that way. Did you have a follow-up question? Did that cover both? Okay. I think I may have I may have given you a wrong number. Yeah, whatever thirty. Let's see. That's about four million dollars a year.
Yes. We engage volunteers to do everything. We look at the skill set that they have. We've had people who volunteer to be trainers. We have people who volunteer to give art lessons. We have people who are teaching uh, crochet lessons. We have volunteers who are giving ukulele lessons. We, if, 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 we, if it's going on in the wellness center and we can find a volunteer to do it, we tap that volunteer to be involved and, and be engaged. And, and everybody has a skill set, and we'd like to put every single one of them to work. A couple of other roles, we have people at the front desk. We have greeters that are at the door, well, just like you'd see at church. And that's really the value a church brings. We know how to welcome a community. And a secular entity that goes in, we've got a couple of wellness centers coming online. They're struggling with that because they don't have that dimension in their business plan. So uh, those kind of volunteer roles are extremely important. Some other volunteer roles, we had our church uh, people trained. They were the actual um, tour guides when we were opening the building for the community to come in and see, and we trained them. And so they were front lines right there with everybody, taking them through the facility and then enrolling them to be members. And so they had a lot of engagement uh, all the way along the way. And wherever you have a gift, you can find a way to serve right there at the Wellness Center. Nathan. The city expects Healthy Living and Fitness Inc. to do everything. Uh, when the warnings run out on the equipment and things of that nature, we reserve to replace that, to replace the equipment. And the city does have some oversight. We have a reporting responsibility to them. We send them a financial statement each month at the end of the month. And then we have some other reporting requirements too because they want to make sure that it's successful. They've been good partners for us. They've, uh, they've not been intrusive. Uh, as a matter of fact, we just uh, were approved by the city council uh, a short time ago for an additional $3.5 million to expand Wellness Center Number 1. It's doing so well. So it's been, they've, they've been a good partner. They really have. Right. Yes. Uh, and one of the things that we've talked about, uh, I want to give you two things here. One is that uh, with this being off campus, it allows us to still be able to make huge investments in our families here uh, and on campus and on this property. And in fact, you're going to see here pretty quick our worship center uh, lobby being remodeled. 
Um, we're looking at uh, meeting with an architect about even future plans, what that looks like way down the road. Um, so we're still going to be making investments here on our property that we will be paying for. And, uh, and then also, I just want to say this. One of the things, this wellness centers, these wellness centers are closed on Sundays. And I'm just going to ask, I'm going to, I'm going to throw this out there. We are partnering with uh, Pastor Fashid in uh, Farsi-speaking, uh, ministering to uh, Farsi-speaking people, reaching Muslims in our community, in Norman, in Edmond, partnering with Henderson Hills Baptist Church. We're getting information to continue to share this in front of you. But my prayer is this, that this, this wellness center is not going to be built for another two years, okay? It'll be... It'll take two years, so we've got time to um, work on these things. Tonight's uh, request is going to be uh, us saying that we agree to be uh, a partner. We want to pursue this, and uh, we're going to start moving forward on this. But uh, my prayer is this, is that in three to four years, uh, we have the opportunity to even have a church plant of a Farsi-speaking congregation or something like that that meets in there on Sunday afternoons, same time we're meeting here and uh, being able to uh, continue to reach others for Christ. So looking at how we can continue to use this facility and, and come alongside our community. So any other questions? I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Owen here. Okay, so with no other questions, uh, we're going to move in with two minutes to go to a quick uh a quick business meeting. Uh, so if you're a guest of ours, just hang on. There's no reason to leave right now. It's not worth it. Uh, you're stuck anyway, but uh, we have an opportunity. So this is the the proposal that's been put forward that Emmaus Baptist Church would be the strategic partner alongside Wellness Center number four uh, that would be built on the south side. No financial obligation on our part. This would just be us agreeing as a church to be that be that strategic partner. Um, so that's the uh, proposal that comes before the church. Um, if you're a member, uh, you'll have a chance to either vote in favor of or or against that. And so we're going to do that right now. If you are in... We're not a committee. Jim and I are not. So uh, you want to make... The, you made that motion, right, that I just said? Okay. Now I need somebody to second that motion. All right, Coach Raper, second that. We've done questions. That's where questions would come in. We've already done questions. So all in favor, if you'd raise your right hand. Any opposed? Same sign. All right. That will pass. Thank you very much. Let me pray for us, and we will be adjourned. Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather tonight. God, we pray as we prepare our hearts for uh, this season of Lent leading up to Easter, God, as we understand what it means, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God, we thank you for the comfort that you bring into our lives, into our families. God, we thank you for that comfort that comes through Christ. God, I thank you for the ministry that's happened tonight on uh, with, with our kids, our preschoolers, our students. Father, thank you for those who are investing there. Father, thank you for Putnam City Baptist Church. Thank you for the partnerships in the gospel we have uh, around the city and, and around the world because of our common unity of being followers of Jesus. So, Father, we 
together that we would share the gospel and see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being here tonight. God bless you. Have a great day. Great week.